welcome to the first episode of Cardboard Commodities. I am your host, John. And um, with this episode, we're hoping to get two things accomplished here uh, right out of the gate. First of all, I want to give you a, sort of a rundown or overview of the podcast itself, what we hope to accomplish, how, how we're going to get to those ends, um, as well as maybe the reason why we started it in the first place. Secondly, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, my past, my history with trading cards and the, as a hobby and an industry, as well as sort of keep you up to speed with what's happening now and what I've learned and what I haven't learned or have yet to learn. But before I do any of that, I do want to give a shout out to some of the podcasts and podcasters out there that have really inspired us and sort of given us the courage to do this or give this a shot. Um, sports card radio, first and foremost, I love their, I love what they do. Uh, it's fantastic. I highly recommend that they have an R rated version too. That's really good. Um, wax pack hero and Mike Summers is a great one. Wax museum. I uh, love that podcast. It's very informative, especially for basketball lovers like myself. Um, sports card nation is another one that's dynamite. Dr. James Beckett has a, a podcast that he does, uh, I think, daily, actually. That's actually really informative. And uh, from a perspective of the guy's got so much history with the hobby, it's really cool to hear some of the stories. Um, as well as uh, about the cards and uh, Let Me Get That Podographed is actually one I just recently discovered, and I really like it. So shout out to those guys and a big thank you from us for giving us the inspiration and uh, – give us something to shoot for in terms of content and quality and um, the whole nine yards. So moving on, uh, a little bit about this podcast. Uh, I created this podcast because I enjoy the medium, first of all, and want to be a part of the sports, more involved with the sports card community, both as a collector as well as someone who has a business from it. Um. I think it's a great medium to interact with people without um, the use of video, which I'm not a big fan of YouTube myself, at least making videos myself. I have a much better face for radio, as they say. So I'm excited about that. Um, I hope to create a, con or a podcast that has uh, content that's kind of entertaining as well as informative. Uh, that's what that I, what I'm shooting for. I have a background in sports journalism and sports. Uh, spent a long time as a sports columnist at newspapers here in Detroit, uh, in the Detroit area, I should say. And I'm hoping to use some of those skills uh, and get some uh, fill the content with some interviews from people that are collectors, such as maybe yourself, dealers. Uh, representatives from card companies would be nice. Uh, fellow podcasters is definitely high on the list, um, as well as uh, a few people that may be more business-oriented in terms of the larger picture of the industry itself. So that's some of the goals that we have. And also, we're not going to shy away from the news. Uh, one thing I've learned uh, recently is that whenever you throw millions of dollars into the mix and people, you get a lot of bad ones that seem to gravitate towards it. Uh, a lot of us are familiar with card trimming or card trimming scandal. Uh, the, you know, the black label BGS 10 scandal that's sort of going on. Uh, all this stuff is happening within the industry and we're not going to ignore that. Uh, sports card radio and wax museum are two 
two podcasts in particular that really sort of tackle this stuff head on. Um, we're not looking for a fight by any stretch, but we're looking to inform people uh, about what's happening and make them aware of this. So they may be a little bit more cautious or they may be <clears throat> think twice before maybe making a big purchase or trusting someone that they otherwise thought that they might. So we won't shy away from that. We won't dedicate entire episodes to that. We're certainly not going to run away from it. So that's that. Uh, a little bit about myself now. Uh, I'm 47. I am a business owner here in the area. Have been for a while now. Uh, like I mentioned before, I have a. I started out in sports journalism, covering all kinds of sports at every about every level. Um, moved on to be a sports columnist for a while. Enjoyed that a lot, actually. Um, then opened my own business a few years ago. And, uh, and in terms of the hobby, I remember my first, the first cards that I really remember as a kid are 78 Tops Baseball. And then 79, I really got into it. Uh, my mom would buy me packs of cards every time she went to a 7-Eleven or a party store or anywhere she could get them. She'd come home with a pack or two of cards for me. And before too long, I had a whole bunch of them. That collecting continued with me through the early 80s. Um, and in the mid-80s, 86-ish, 87, my younger brother got into it too. And because I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, I uh, decided to open a little business. So my brother and I actually did it together, um, which was great. Uh, and we set up, kind of got what we had already in books, you know, little binders and everything and set up at a little local card shop and we did really well. And it was, I remember being shocked by that. Um, uh, so we parlayed that into a couple more card shows and before too long, we were buying a couple boxes at a time sitting around the kitchen table with my mom and my girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife and opening packs. And it was a riot. It was a really good time and some good memories I have of doing that. And, um, we would take those cards and set up at card shows. And as time went along, we got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger with every show. And we bought a little bit more, a little bit more. And after a few years of doing this, we were, um, we had grown from two or three boxes to four, three, four cases that we'd buy. We would generally divvy the cases up, open a third of them for singles, pack out a third of them, and then sell the other third uh, just as full boxes or complete boxes. We did that for a while. Uh, our little local shows turned into bigger shows, which turned into shows in the, throughout the Midwest. Not a ton of them, but we did a fair amount of them. And then something strange started to happen. We started to notice when people would come up with a, to our table to actually sell us or try to sell us stuff, they would be bringing crazy lots, uh, quantity-wise, like 40 and 50 card lots of one card, same card, same player, same manufacturer. And this happened multiple times. So as a minor in economics guy in school at the time, I started to wonder how this was happening um, and figured out pretty quickly, along with some other people, that there's a good chance that we were being lied to by card manufacturers and then in reality, they were producing just a boatload of cards. And that's exactly what was happening. So Mike, uh, my brother and I were smart enough to get out early. Uh, we literally sold everything we had except for a few upper deck 
Griffey rookies and called it a day. Uh, we figured we were ahead of the game. I had basically put myself through college with it. He was a, a pretty uh, never hurt for money kind of high school student at the time. And we were done. We washed our hands of it, uh, walked out the door and really didn't look back. Now, fast forward 20 some odd years, I'm at a Target. I find a box of basketball cards, which I subsequently found out was called a blaster box of 1819 Panini basketball. And I bought it just on a whim, opened it, and fell in love with it again. Uh, I pulled a Trey Young rookie from that, that little first hobby box. So because I was so brilliant at this before, uh, back in the day, I decided to delve into this. So I spent hundreds of dollars on boxes of Panini Prism and, or I should say blaster boxes of Panini Prism and a few mega boxes, as well as Topps Heritage Baseball. Um, I love the Heritage product. I love the look of it. But the Panini Basketball, I paid a lot of money for, overpaid for it, most likely, but it was hard to find. Um, so I paid what people were asking for it. I sat around the kitchen table with my family once again, just like we had in the past, had just as good a time opening this stuff up, looking for it. I collected all the singles, threw them up on eBay because that's what you do now. And at the end of the month, sold most of it. At the end of the month, I went to do the balance sheet, which is something I did even back then and still do now, and realized I had been absolutely shafted or shafted myself uh, and wasn't even close. Um, it was not good. And I realized quickly that things were not the same as they were before. So with that in mind, I walked away again, uh, kind of put my tail between my legs and licked my wounds and consider myself done. That feeling lasted about a month, maybe a little less. And then I just couldn't turned away. And so I decided at that moment that I was going to really, really delve into this. So I researched for about seven or eight months, trying my very best to try to figure out exactly how to do this now and make it worth my while, both financially as well as the enjoyment of the collectible part of it. Um, boxes were so expensive that just breaking them open and keeping the stuff didn't make a lot of sense unless you had a ton of money. So that was never my intention. And I always wanted the business part of it. I enjoy that part of it a lot. Um, so nonetheless, I, I delved into this. I listened to podcasts. Many of the ones I mentioned earlier were helping me a lot. I read a bunch of blogs. I read, read forum posting. I, I reached out to some shop owners even around the, around the country. Just a simple email saying, what is this like and how do you do this? Um, many of them actually returned the email. Some of them said don't, <laughs> and others kind of gave me some pretty solid advice. Um, so that said, in November, late November, early December of 2019, I scraped together some money, uh, what ended up being a little bit less than a couple thousand dollars, and I really delved back into it. Uh, I've always been a big basketball fan and a player myself uh, through college. And when my brother and I used to do it, basketball was probably our main focus anyway. So I started buying Panini Prism basketball singles from the 2019, 2020 set, which basically meant I started buying Zion Williamson's 
John Morant's. Uh, at the time, they were $40 for the Williamson's, 25 ish for the Morant's. I bought a majority of them off of Facebook um, locally, uh, meeting people at coffee shops and places like that. Uh, there's a local card shop around town that I sort of swung a pseudo deal with that if they broke down cases or boxes of basketball, if they got any Morant's or Williamson's, I would pay them. Actually, I paid them higher than market value for them, which seems like a deal now, but at the time it killed me. I would pay them 50 for the Williamson's and 30 for the Morant's. I got a few of them that way. I bought a couple off of eBay, not too many, um, but I did buy some. So I had this this mountain, not really a mountain, I shouldn't say that. I had this stack of Williamson and Morant's base prisms, nothing else. Uh, the rest of it was priced out of my league, honestly. I did buy a few bla few blaster boxes as well as a mega box that we opened up just because it was fun. Um, actually did okay. We got a couple of Williamson's, no Morant's in any of it, and a few rookie silvers that we were able to turn around pretty quickly, which was good. That helped offset the cost of that. But again, I don't think we made any money on it at the time. Um, with the maturity of the Williamson cards, it does we are, but the fact of the matter is, is we didn't then. But um, so I joined PSA's club, little one of their little, I don't remember, platinum or whatever the one you get 15 submissions with, uh, packaged up 15 of the of a combination of the Williamsons and the Morants, sent them away. And I had a Luka Doncic rookie that I had kept from when I bought all the boxes a year earlier or so, um, sent those off to PSA, which I thought at the time was a really good idea. I knew I had learned that the way to do this now, at least at my level, was to buy raw, buy raw smartly, and send it off to get graded. And if it grades high, grades high enough, which if I have an eye for this, it should, which again, I'm not sure that I do yet. I guess we'll find out. Um, then you can make some money that way. And from a business perspective, that was how to do it. So I sent that stuff off. Well, I sent it off in early January. It is now early March or March 10th. And I am nowhere close to getting these cards back. And that's frustrating, annoying, and a uh, topic for another episode. I did have some more, which I sent off to Beckett, which worked out well, actually. You get, you know, there's a less of a premium on that. And Honestly, it leads me to a point that another thing that I learned about the business here and learned that I sucked at was the timing is super important. I sent seven Williamsons to Beckett and got five nine fives and two nines. Um, I sold a few of the nine fives, and at the time I was getting somewhere around between $175 and $200 for those. Uh, a couple of the Morants I sold, same deal, got around $100 for those. And now looking back, I should have held them a little more. Um, I sold some Raw Williamson's on eBay right around the time that he debuted, which worked out well um, because he was so, he had a, a nice opening game. But again, if I'd have held on to some of those, I probably should have done that. Uh, one thing I'm learning about this that maybe some of you know already, or maybe you learned this the hard way, the same way that I did, is the timing is way more important now than it used to be um, in terms of day-to-day -day 
I mean, literally, if Williamson goes off for 42 points tomorrow night, his cards the day after that will be worth more than they were the day before and maybe even more than they were are going to be the day following or after he has a game that's not so great. So it's a little bit more sensitive, and that's I've, I found it on eBay to be that way. I have used ComC a little bit. I've bought a few things, some baseball off of ComC. I like ComC. I'm not real savvy at it yet. Um so I've got a lot to learn in that regard uh, to utilize that more. I mean, I know many guys actually just use ComC. They don't mess around with eBay. A few of the the um, people that I bought from on Facebook way back, you know, back in December actually told me they never mess with eBay anymore. Between the fees and the scams and that, it's not worth it to them. And I've actually experienced a little bit of that. We've had a couple – I've bought a couple raw cards more than a couple, actually. In fact, right now, I think I'm at around 60% that I buy either baseball or basketball at this point are what I consider to be gradable, and the other 40 are not, are simply not. Uh, and that's despite descriptions and despite scanned photos, which is really not easy to tell, really, the true condition of the card. Um, I, we do have a lo- couple local card shows around here that I've gone to. For the most part, I don't like them. Uh, a lot of those guys are in the same boat I am, where they're taking their good stuff and actually sending it off to be graded and then putting it in their showcase at these card shows, which means what's left raw version is garbage um, as far as gradability-wise, or the ones that do have good copies of these cards are charging a small fortune, and it's not worth it. So it's a little bit of a dilemma and something definitely different than what it was before it used to be it was hard to sell easy to buy now it's hard to buy easy to sell and both have their own challenges but in this case i find it more challenging to do it now the way that it is so we're in terms of a business we're still way in the hole um from the get-go here but it's only been a little while, so I'm not too discouraged by that. And I have a ton of cards out to be graded either at Beckett or at PSA. The majority of them actually are at, or at least a portion of them are at PSA. So when they come back, I'm hoping to close the gap on that and then be able to move in the right direction. Um, one thing I did do that I actually would recommend people do if you're serious about this is legitimize the company legally. Uh, form an LLC or whatever your state comfortable with and make it accountable, make the business accountable, make yourself accountable by doing that. Um, It also has allowed me to reach out to a couple distributors and actually get accounts set up there where I can buy cards if I choose to from them, boxes or cases. Uh, The pricing is not always fantastic, but it's better than what I would do if I bought them off eBay. That's for sure. Um, so that's good. So eventually maybe we'll get to that point and we'll be able to do that. I've heard from many people or numerous people that if you can actually do well, if you break enough product down, um, from a case and then sell some of the boxes. So we'll we'll see. We're learning as we go. Um, it's been a humbling experience and I've learned that this new version of this business, despite feeling like I did fairly well back in the day, or had at least have a good handle on how to do it, I suck at it today. But that's okay. I'm learning as I go. 
And I'm hoping, honestly, that this podcast helps me a little bit too. I mean, I can learn a lot from you people out there. There's a lot of uh, information, a lot of smart people around this hobby. And I've learned that most of them are willing to share some of that information with a lot of us. So I'm hoping to share that information with you guys and make uh, make the hobby more enjoyable for you and maybe make the business more profitable. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly at the very least would like this to be a profitable side hustle for me. And ultimately, I'd love to have a shop. That would be fantastic. But we'll see what happens. But for now, that's the introduction to our show, um, our little podcast here. And I really hope if you like what you hear or you think you like the potential that you'll click subscribe or you'll you'll write a little review and uh, we'll move on. The goal is to do two, maybe two episodes a week is what I'm shooting for. Uh, maybe one some weeks. And they're all, I'm trying to keep them around 20 minutes is the goal. Maybe if we have an interview that runs a little bit long, that's okay. But generally, I want to keep them about 20 minutes. Your time is valuable, and I appreciate uh, you spending it with our podcast or choosing to spend it with our podcast. So for now, we will see you guys or talk to you guys later. Thank you.